C. diff spores and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at CloroxHealthcare.com. Welcome to C. diff spores and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program and thank you for joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products, keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash Radio. It is a great pleasure to introduce our guest today, Dr. Joseph Sliman, MD, MPH, Chief Medical Officer of Synthetic Biologics. Dr. Sliman joins us today to discuss protecting the gut microbiome, a paradigm shift in managing GI disorders. At this time, I would like to welcome our guest, Dr. Sliman, to the program. Welcome and thank you for joining us today, Dr. Sliman. Oh, thanks, Nancy. It's good to be back. Well, it's always lovely to have you back, and today's episode holds valuable key points, and we appreciate you sharing them with our global listeners. And Dr. Simon, would you, um, for a moment, take a moment and uh, explain to our global listeners who are unfamiliar with synthetic biologics, um, could you give them a brief, a brief overview of the company? Well, uh, sure, I'd be happy to. So, uh, at Synthet Biologics, we're a late-stage clinical development company developing um, late-stage therapeutics to preserve the microbiome and to protect and restore the health of patients. Now, what makes us different from others who are out there uh, is that we are leveraging well-defined, well-understood, well-trodden pathways uh, for FDA guidelines while we apply our cutting-edge microbiome research with the aim of improving health outcomes and preventing disease. We truly believe that this is the best pathway forward for microbiome-focused therapies through the FDA regulatory process, leveraging existing pathways with our cutting-edge research straightforward all the way through. Dr. Simon, can you describe what the microbiome is and why it is important to human health? Well, of course. So the microbiome, uh, the human microbiome, is all of the microorganisms that live both on and in our bodies and in our immediate environment. You know, somewhere between 1 and 10% of your body is actually human cells and human DNA. The rest of it is all of these microorganisms that live in, on, and around us and interact with us in symbiotic manner in order to promote uh, and help us promote our health and help us to thrive. Uh, these organisms are supposed to be here. They're supposed to be part of us. They have co-evolved with us, and they perform vital functions for our health. They synthesize uh, cofactors, and they help us in digestion and in um, you know, protecting us from uh, pathogens and, and any number of things that helps keep us healthy. Okay. And Dr. Simon, how does the gut microbiome become disrupted, and what are the possible future effects for human health? which may result from the disruption. So in order to really understand, you know, what 
disruption really means. You have to think of it in terms of the evolution of the human body's microbiome. I mean, we start out with the microbiome we inherit from our birth mother, and we go through changes over time. It changes as we interact with our environment. It's based upon the uh, the people and the animals we come in contact with, the food that we eat, etc. And we um, kind of develop a homeostasis over time. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, those microorganisms, they're supposed to be there, and our body settles into uh, kind of a routine with the organisms that are supposed to be part of us. Um, disruptions uh, can occur for any number of reasons due to illness, uh, due to changes in diet or environment, and one of the biggest most important ways that our microbiome becomes disrupted is through antibiotic therapy. And now, of course, we love antibiotic therapy. It's one of the most important developments in the history of human medicine, actually. But there's a problem, and that is that most of these antibiotics work too well, almost. They work exactly as they're supposed to, and a lot of the organisms that are supposed to be part of our bodies are caught up uh, as collateral damage from these antibiotics, these antimicrobials. They don't just kill the infection or the pathogen. They take out a lot of our, um, our normal microbiome organisms uh, by accident, so to speak. And that leads to tremendous disruption of our homeostatic you know, relationship with these organisms. And that can lead to disease states in and of themselves. Exactly. And Dr. Slyman, while antibiotics are certainly an important and vital tool for fighting primary infection, what are the long-term downstream effects of continued and often unnecessary antibiotic treatment? Well, the long-term effects are uh, actually very straightforward, and that is that it takes us a a fairly decent amount of time to um, accumulate and establish a this homeostatic relationship with our microbial environment, both inside and out. When we disrupt it, um, most of the time we never get back to where that ideal, optimal homeostasis started. Uh, and so it's one thing whenever we take antibiotics or where they're administered to us because we need them for it to, to adequately and appropriately treat an infection. But it's even worse whenever we have to over-treat infections or when antibiotics are often unnecessarily used, either in potency or strength or type or any number of combination of those things. Uh, those downstream effects lead to ongoing chronic disruption of our microbiomes, and it allows opportunistic pathogenic organisms to kind of sneak in and take up residence, and they become difficult to dislodge. And in addition, it creates all kinds of other problems, again, with our metabolism and, uh, you know, our immune systems and, and so forth in ways that we're only beginning now to just start to understand. Okay. And Dr. Slyman, thank you so much for this important information that you shared with us. And we're already going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing protecting the gut microbiome, a paradigm shift in managing GI disorders with our guest, Dr. Joseph Slyman, MD, Chief Medical Officer of Synthetic Biologics. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to Seed of Spores and More, Global Broadcasting Network, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We have Dr. Joseph Slyman, MD, MPH, Chief Medical Officer of Synthetic Biologics, joining us today to discuss protecting the gut microbiome in paradigm shift in managing GI disorders. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Slyman. Thanks, Nancy. Happy to be here. Well, thank you so much for being here and taking time out of your busy schedule. Before the commercial break, you briefly discussed the negative implications of antibiotics and have and how they can uh, wreak havoc on the gut microbiome. Can you take us through the process of how antibiotics work in fighting infection and how they ultimately end up in our gut microbiome? Well, sure. So, um, you know, as we talked about in the previous segment, antibiotics are probably one of, if not the most important advances in human medicine of the past you know, century or more. Uh, before we had antibiotics, you know, people routinely died of what we would now, in modern days, consider to be routine type of infections, things we don't even hospitalize people anymore for anymore, which is kind of hard to believe, right? Uh, antibiotics actually work um, in a very straightforward manner, and they're all based upon um, molecules that are synthesized by other microorganisms to basically conduct warfare against each other. Um, these organisms 
throughout you know, the evolution of life on Earth have developed means to combat each other, to compete for space, to compete for nutrients, uh, sunlight, any number of things, right? Um, so antibiotics work simply by disrupting some of these enzymatic or uh, metabolic processes in other microorganisms. The way that we use them to combat disease and infection, of course, is that you know, we give them in IV form or injections or sometimes orally. Um, and regardless of how they get into the body, how we take them or they're administered, they get into the bloodstream through absorption through the GI tract or sometimes directly injected into the blood. And they circulate and they basically find vulnerable organisms. Now, of course, inside of our bloodstream, there really shouldn't be any organisms. That's, you know, uh, kind of a safe or restricted space, right? So if once it circulates and finds the infection in the lung or, you know, for example, or in the skin or what have you, it goes to work and destroys the target organisms that it's designed to take out. And then the body does its job in that it extracts these foreign molecules out of the bloodstream, via the, usually via the liver, and processes them through the bile salts into the gallbladder, where the gallbladder then squeezes it into our gut, just like it would under normal circumstances, and excretes it into the GI tract where it goes all the way out the other end, just like nature intended. Uh, but sometimes, or I shouldn't say sometimes, most of the time, those antibiotics remain active even through that entire extraction and excretion process. And as they are extracted from the bloodstream into the bile, you know, via the liver, into the bile and into the gut, they remain active. And, of course, they're active and they encounter, um, you know, our normal flora and our gut microbiome, our normal organisms that are supposed to be there. And a large majority of them are vulnerable to those antibiotics and those antibiotics take out our organisms in our gut. And in doing so, it creates massive disruption. Exactly. And thank you so much for explaining it that way. And Dr. Slyman, many of us are familiar with a C. difficile infection and the impact it has had on thousands of patients all over the world. How does C. diff colonization differ from C. diff infection? Well, that's a good question. And the answer is actually quite straightforward in that C. difficile is a very commonly found organism. It's ubiquitous, really, in our environment. It exists in the soil, and it exists um, probably around people's homes. And in fact, a large percentage of patients, or of people, I should say, not patients, a large percentage of people are normal carriers of C. difficile. They are colonized, so to speak, in that it's present in their gut at any time. Colonization, though, is not the same as disease or what we call CDI, C. difficile infection. To have infection, that C. difficile has to um, actually proliferate. It has to grow and divide, and it has to have the space to actually flourish within our bodies. And the only way it has that is when it has space to grow, obviously, when the normal microflora, the normal organisms in our microbiome, are gone for one reason or another. The C. difficile, um, it, it, it exists mostly in spore form, which allows it to have a hard shell and survive any number of types of environments and kind of sit 
and wait until it has the right set of circumstances, space and nutrients to grow and flourish, and then it grows. And as it grows, it produces what's known as um, C. difficile toxin. There's actually a, several of them. And these toxins are what cause um, the disease state associated with C. difficile. And that combination of not just the presence of C. diff in the gut, but also the presence of the toxin in, in the um, clinical uh, circumstance of clinical diarrhea is what we call C. diff infection. Okay, and everybody, and that's a really big topic right now, and thanks so much for explaining that to our global listeners. Dr. Sliman, the current treatment paradigm for treating C. diff is to treat with stronger antibiotics. Isn't this different from what one would expect? Um, I I think in our current understanding, yes, Um, but you think about it in um, the way we used to consider antibiotics and what they were used for is you know, uh, microorganism equal bad, right? We don't want those things around us, and so let's kill them. And how do we kill microorganisms? Well, we use antibiotics. And in the case of C. difficile and other multidrug-resistant organisms, you need very strong antibiotics. But now, yes, in light of what we now understand about our uh, microbiome, our gut microbiome in particular, Yes, it is counterintuitive to use additional antibiotics to eradicate C. diff. Unfortunately, currently, we really don't have any better options. No, we don't, and thank you for that. And Dr. Sliman, can you talk about Rebaximase and how it is designed to protect the gut microbiome from antibiotic disruption and the emergence of CDI and other pathogenic overgrowth? Well, yeah, I'd be very happy to talk about Rebaximase. And so Rebaximase, simply put, is a beta-lactamase. One of the major types of antibiotics that are used, have been used throughout, uh, since their discovery basically, and throughout the last 100 years, and are currently still the most broadly used antibiotics uh, in human medicine today, are called beta-lactam antibiotics, and they are your penicillins and cephalosporins. And the way that nature designed countermeasures against these antibiotics, these these molecules, these beta-lactams, is to create an enzyme to break them down, beta-lactamase, very simple. Well, rabaximase is a beta-lactamase, and it is specially formulated to make it to be taken orally, make it through the, the stomach environment, and emerge in an, a non-absorptive fashion, meaning it stays in the gut, in the early part of the small intestine and remain all throughout the gut over a long period of time. And, I mean, it's as simple as it gets, right? The beta-lactamase marries up with the beta-lactam antibiotic when it's excreted into the gut uh, via the bile after it's removed from the system from the liver. So after it's already had a chance to circulate, find and destroy its target infection, and it's now being removed from the body for excretion, the beta-lactamase, rabaximase, seeks out and destroys the beta-lactam in the gut before it has a chance to impact the vulnerable microbiome or, or vulnerable organisms in our gut microbiome as collateral damage. It destroys it and passes out harmlessly through the gut without any disruption to our microbiome. Wow, and that is incredible what it is doing. And thank you, Dr. Sliman, for sharing that. 
And doctor, what clinical updates has the company made with Rebaxamase since their last visit in June of 2016, and what future milestones can we look forward to? Yes, so we actually have conducted a series of clinical studies uh, looking at the ability of Baxamase to prevent the emergence of C. difficile infection in patients who are administered uh, ceftriaxone, actually, for lower respiratory tract infection. So we conducted this study, and we've completed our analysis, and what we have been able to demonstrate is that patients who, as expected, who are admitted to the hospital for several days of intravenous therapy for lower respiratory tract infection, pneumonia, bronchitis, et cetera, um, they have a reasonably high risk of developing C. difficile infection because the ceftriaxone destroys their gut microbiome and C. difficile as an opportunistic infection, a pathogen, grows and the toxin is produced and it produces C. diff infection. Well, in patients who were administered, who were co-administered um, the antibiotic with rabaximase, they had a significantly lower rate of development of C. difficile infection. In fact, there, uh, there was a 70% reduction in the treated patients, the patients who were co-treated with rabaximase, compared to patients who did not receive co-treatment. Um, and that is probably the most important confirmatory finding that we've gotten so far in our phase 2B study. We've also, just as an aside, we've also uh, looked at some additional endpoints, and we were also able to confirm, further confirm Rabaximase's um, capability in that we also see a very significant reduction in patients who develop colonization with other resistant organisms, not only C. difficile, but vancomycin-resistant um, organisms as well. And of course, vancomycin being the uh, kind of the big gun, so to speak, one of the last antibiotics remaining in the arsenal. Um, Synthetic okay. Biologics recently announced that Rabaximase was granted breakthrough therapy destination designation by the FDA for the prevention of Clostridium difficile infection. And we congratulate you on this. Well, thank you. Um, what does that mean for Rabaximase's continued clinical development? Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because breakthrough therapy designation by the FDA is specifically for treatments uh, of conditions for which there are, are few to no existing therapies or preventive measures available uh, for conditions that are considered um, to have high levels of, of mortality or morbidity, which means, of course, um, high risk of death um, or significant illness with significant, um, you know, life-altering effects as a result of, of the illness. C. difficile infection, of course, definitely follows, falls into both those categories. There's very little we can do to treat C. diff infection um, and keep it from recurring. And, of course, there's no preventive measures out there yet. Um, in addition to the fact that, of course, as we all know, C. diff causes a significant amount of, of morbidity and mortality, uh, you know, death and uh, disability among patients who suffer from it. So we are very happy that we were granted breakthrough status by the agency because this allows us to have frequent in-depth conversations with the FDA and expedite our process to approval um, eventually down the road. 
Well, we're really excited for that and can't wait to hear more good news about that, too. And Dr. Slyman, we thank you for sharing the positive information with us today. We're already going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue discussing protecting the gut microbiome, a paradigm shift in managing GI disorders with our guest, Dr. Joseph Slyman, MD and Chief Medical Officer of Synthetic Biologics. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll free 1 844 4CDIF. That's 1 844 367 2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1-844-4-CDF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to CDIP Spores and More Global Broadcasting Network, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We welcome our guest, Dr. Joseph Simon, MD, MPH, Chief Medical Officer of Synthetic Biologics, here to discuss protecting the gut microbiome, a paradigm shift in managing GI disorders. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Simon. 
Thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. And before the commercial break, you mentioned VRE, which is a bacterium resistant to most modern antibiotics. Antibiotic resistance is an area of mounting global concern. Can you take us through the process of how antibiotic resistant emerges and can spread in the gut microbiome and how rebaximase can help? Sure can. So uh, remember that I uh, briefly touched on in the last segment that antibiotics and um, countermeasures to those antibiotics are uh, evolved uh, basically warfare mechanisms by organisms to combat each other. And again, it helps if you kind of visualize uh, antibiotics being used by organisms against each other and countermeasures against those antibiotics against each other in an environment, just kind of in a Petri dish or, you know, whatever you will, you know, to, to picture it, right? So, the, all these are simple proteins or molecules that are synthesized by the organisms, uh, and they're all coded for by genes. Simple enough. Well, these genes mutate and evolve over time to different types of antibiotics and different, or antimicrobials, whatever you want to call them, and different uh, countermeasures to those uh, antibiotics. Those genes, like any genes, especially in microorganisms, are easily transferable from one organism to the other. This is where uh, antibiotic resistance in human health comes in, in that these organisms, which, you know, flourish and exchange information and exchange genes uh, within our bodies and in our own environment, uh, develop resistance via transfer of genes to uh, various antibiotics to which they are exposed. And the more antibiotics to which they are exposed, and the more often they're exposed to a given antibiotic, the more likely they are to develop or acquire a ability to resist that antibiotic, to acquire those resistant genes. That's why antibiotic resistance is such a concern nowadays because we use so many antibiotics so often and in such high doses, frequent doses over long periods of time that we are seeing more and more and more and more antibiotic resistance emerge in these organisms, particularly the pathogenic organisms, uh, that are issues for us in terms of human health, obviously. So these organisms spread and they flourish because, again, just like everything else in evolution, it's survival of the fittest and who can best survive the environment will pass on their genes. Now, how does rabaximase come in? Well, rabaximase destroys the antibiotic, simple enzyme process, destroys that antibiotic before it has the ability or has the means or the opportunity to impact or stress the organisms in our gut. So if our organisms in our gut, including the pathogens, right, that may or may not be there, those organisms are never exposed to antibiotics because they're destroyed in the upper part of the GI tract or the upper part of the intestine, I should say, then that selective pressure, that environmental stress is never placed on those organisms and they never have a reason to acquire resistance. And therefore, we believe, and we are now seeing some evidence for, rabaximase having the ability to suppress the emergence of resistance because they suppress that antibiotic stress. And that's positive 
information and we're just so glad that you were able to share that with today with our listeners and dr Slyman, given the emphasis being placed on studying the human microbiome c difficile infections and antibiotic resistance can you talk about microbiome focused initiatives as they pertain to both industry and government oh yes we can, we can talk about that uh to some extent uh, so obviously with the issue of antibiotic resistance and the emergence of resistant organisms uh, being more and more of a threat to uh, human health and our ability to use uh, antibiotics to treat even simple infections, um, various government agencies, uh, including the FDA and the CDC uh, and uh, the White House it, itself, actually, um, it, it, within the Department of HHS, uh, have begun forming task forces, if you will, or committees to start discussing how to approach this issue and what we can possibly do about it, where to focus research dollars and so forth and so on. And one of the things that has come up repeatedly in these meetings to which we've been a part of is the need to establish, first and foremost, A, what constitutes a quote-unquote normal microbiome, because we have to understand what's supposed to be there before we can understand how it's affected by antibiotics or anything else. And secondarily, how do we measure that? And how do we measure it in a standardized way so that it's repeatable and reproducible across multiple companies, multiple organizations, and all those measurements will mean the same thing. So the emphasis uh, on the initiatives right now is to understand not just the composition of the microbiome, which we've begun to have, um, uh, we've begun to get a pretty good handle on now, uh, at least uh, we're in the beginning stages of that, but how to establish, how do we measure it in a standardized way? And that's also where our company comes in, at least to some degree, because uh, building upon the research that has been done uh, over the past 30 years, um, you know, in academia as well as by, um, you know, some other companies in the industry, we are establishing a, uh, what we call microbiome indices, which allows us to have some sort of standardized methodology by which we can both measure and compare uh, microbiome samples throughout the GI tract um, over time and allow them to be comparable one to the other. And so that's where Robaxamase and the studies kind of come in is that we are hoping to help establish how to do the measuring and how to use it to compare across groups. Well, thank you, Dr. Slyman. And there's a lot of research and development going on there, and we appreciate all the hard work that, and dedication that you and your colleagues have put into this. And Dr. Rabaximase has been referred to as a public policy-style drug. Can you elaborate on this and refer, and refer how synthetic biologics goals are aligned with government? Uh, well, sure. So uh, first, it's important that to understand that at Synthetic Biologics, we really want to be aligned with government policy uh, in the adoption and the uh, implementation of infection control and uh, antibiotic stewardship programs throughout government and, and um, the hospital systems, um, while still enabling the appropriate use of the existing antibiotics that we have, as well as any upcoming new antibiotics. So what that means is that we need to be focused on 
at least as our company, focused on the preservation of the existing microbiome while preserving and enhancing a prescriber's ability to um, deliver the antibiotics that they need appropriately to fight whatever the primary infection is. So what does that mean in terms of, quote-unquote, public policy? Well, infection control is one of those things that is... um, at least as we consider it in the context of antibiotic resistance and antimicrobial, the emergence of antimicrobial resistance, um, it, it's a public good, right? So the less we um, allow for the emergence of antibiotic-resistant organisms, the more not just the individual patient benefits, but the public in, at large benefits. So if we can prevent just in this example, if we can prevent the emergence of resistant organisms in particular patients in the hospital, then there's no resistant organisms to circulate and potentially infect other individuals in that hospital system as well. And so by public policy, what we mean is if rabaximase is prescribed as part of an infection control or antibiotic stewardship program, hospital-wide, system-wide, it, it becomes more of a public policy instrument in that it is being done not just for the benefit of an individual patient, but also for a public good. And that is, we, we try to keep that in perspective um, here as a company, that we're doing this not just to treat individual patients, which is a good thing, but also in the grand scheme of being a public good. Exactly. And that takes it so much it makes it that much more um, effective and that much more important. And thank you so much, Dr. Sliman, for explaining that. Um, Synthetic Biologics is also working on a second microbiome-focused program called SYN010 to treat irritable bowel syndrome with constipation, also known as IBS-C. Can you explain the relationship between the gut microbiome and IBS? Oh, well, sure. So, um, IBS... Uh, irritable bowel syndrome, you know, uh, comes in uh, two main types, you know, the type where patients have diarrhea and the type that patients have constipation. And our main key opinion leader, uh, Dr. Mark Pimentel, has done quite an extensive bit of work on both sides of the equation. And uh, it's elements with, he's discovered, and we there's plenty of data to support the notion that there is... Um, there are mechanisms in, in the gut uh, that are mediated by very specific processes, metabolic processes, and organisms in the gut. And so on the um, IBS-C constipation side, um, the evidence points to the, the overproduction and the inappropriate production of methane gas in the intestine as being the causative factor for um, constipation, specifically in association with IBS. That methane gas is primarily produced by a single type of organism, and that is Methanobrevibacter smithii. It's actually one of a, of a small grouping of organisms that's not a bacterium. It's an archaeon, which is an archaic form of bacteria, kind of an, uh, an original bacteria, if you will. Um, but the idea here is that that archaeon lives in our gut, and it's supposed to be there because it performs a, a metabolic function for us, but its byproduct, so to speak, is methane gas. And when it produces too much or too much gas in inappropriate locations within the gut, 
it produces constipation and symptoms of IBS, the pain, the bloating, etc. Okay, and Dr. Simon, would you like to take a moment and explain the current treatment paradigm for patients who suffer from IBSC, and how do these therapies fall short in treating this disease? Uh, so the current treatment paradigm um, is actually fairly arduous for these patients to even get diagnosed. Uh, complaints of constipation and pain with that constipation and uh, repeated visits to a primary care provider eventually lead to a visit to a GI specialist, and that GI specialist then will oftentimes need to do other testing to rule out or in some other cause of the constipation. And uh, if they can eventually rule something else in, they will. But if they can't, there are a set of criteria, which are uh, called the Rome criteria, which if a patient meets all the criteria, they'll be officially, formally diagnosed with uh, irritable bowel syndrome, and in this case, with constipation type. The current treatment for those patients consists of primarily over-the-counter laxatives. Uh, There are different types of laxatives in that they have slightly different mechanisms of action, but essentially they fall into two categories. One is the type that causes increased gut motility, which basically makes the gut squeeze harder, and the other type, which increases the amount of liquid that is put into the gut, uh, into the large intestine, to help move the mass out. Neither of these approaches, uh, these currently available uh, over-the-counters, do anything for patients' pain other than as maybe a, a, a side effect of removal of a temporary removal of the mass. Um, they're designed to create bowel movements. And what type of bowel movements they create is of no concern because their objective is to move the mass out. Um, In effect, though, the cardinal symptom of IBS is not, of IBS type C anyway, is not necessarily just the constipation. It's actually the pain and the bloating. And that's the part that is not treated by current medications that are available over the counter or the current treatments that are available by prescription, which both, uh, or in fact, there's more than two now, but uh, which all act in a similar manner in that they simply add liquid to the gut to push the mass out. They don't do anything for the pain or the bloating. That's how those treatments fall short in that, number one, they do nothing to address the symptoms of IBS. They simply move the mass out. And they're temporary solutions to a long-term problem. They don't do anything to address the underlying cause or the symptoms. SYN10, S-Y-N-010, we call it SYN10, is designed specifically to provide chronic, long-term therapy to improve the quality of life for IBSC sufferers by addressing the root cause of the constipation, and that is the methane gas production. And we are so grateful for that because there are so many that suffer from this um, disease and this illness. And we thank you for that, Dr. Simon. And right now we're going to pause for a brief commercial break. When we return, we will learn more about protecting the gut microbiome, a paradigm shift in managing GI disorders with our guest, Dr. Joseph Slyman, MD and Chief Medical Officer of Synthetic Biologics. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. 
get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate, or call toll-free 1-844-4-CDIF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against CDF and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for CDF infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising CDF awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Join us on November 9th and 10th for the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Learn from the leading international topic experts and connect with corporate sponsors and exhibitors providing products and services combating C. difficile and healthcare-associated infections worldwide. For more information and to register online, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website at cdifffoundation.org or call one 877 2343. That's 1-844-4-C-DIFF. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We welcome our guest, Dr. Joseph Slyman, MD, MPH, Chief Medical Officer of Synthetic Biologics, joining us today to discuss protecting the gut microbiome, a paradigm shift in managing G- GI disorders. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Slyman. Thank you, Nancy. You're welcome. Before pausing for the commercial break, you were discussing the role of the methane gas as a cause of IBSC. Can you discuss SYN010 and its unique role as a potential therapeutic for treating IBSC? Well, yes. So, uh, very simply, uh, SYN010 um, acts as a means to block the production of methane gas um, in the gut 
by that uh, one specific organism, Methanobrevibacter smithii, to prevent the, the production of methane gas, or at least significantly reduce it, and therefore eliminate or significantly reduce the offending um, uh, the rationale or reason for the, the symptoms of IBSC. So um, the Sinten actually physically blocks the enzyme that um, Methanobrevibacter smithii uses to produce methane gas. It doesn't disrupt the organism itself any other way. It doesn't kill the organism. It doesn't interfere with any of its other processes, so far as we can tell. It simply blocks one enzyme, one part of its you know, metabolism, and reduces the amount of methane it can produce. And therefore, you reduce methane, you reduce the symptoms of IBSC. Okay, and Dr. Sliman, can you share the recent clinical results for SYN010 and plans for its continued clinical development? Yes, yeah, so our phase two results uh, demonstrated that not only uh, can we uh, win patients who have IBSC as defined by um, Rome criteria, as I mentioned, the diagnostic criteria to diagnose IBSC, uh, those patients. Uh, who then have confirmatory testing done to demonstrate that they have methane in their breath uh, that we can measure. Um, when we give those patients Sinten, we can not only reduce uh, the production of methane as we measure it through their breath, but we can also improve their symptoms as uh, on the, the, the using the scales, the uh, endpoints that we would. Uh, use uh, according to the FDA, right? So the FDA-defined endpoints of improvement of pain, bloating, and improvement in bowel movements, um, those symptoms are significantly reduced and the patient's, uh, you know, bowel movements are improved um, as well as uh, reducing the breath methane in patients with IBSC. So we have uh, spoken to the FDA. They agree with our data. They agree with our mechanism of action and our rationale. They um, agree that our data is valid. And we have a agreed-upon plan for the further uh, clinical development in pivotal studies uh, to move forward uh, to get us all the way through to eventual registration. Um, and essentially... Uh, the plan moving forward is to get those studies started and get them executed uh, so that we can bring this medicine forward to uh, the clinic. Absolutely. And we look forward to hearing more about that, too. And Dr. Sliman, would you like to share the key points for our global listeners from our discussion today about the microbiome and human health? Sure. So I, I would say the key takeaways are that uh, we have a a microbiome that is vital to our ongoing uh, health, right? I mean, the, the microbiome, both in our gut as well as the, the organisms that live on us and around us, they are vitally important to our health. And it's important to uh, science and for the eventual understanding and improvement of human health to understand what those organisms are and what the uh, ideal way to preserve and maintain that that environment and that microbiome is, and to do what is necessary to preserve and protect that microbiome throughout our lifespans in order to uh, improve and preserve our health as we age. 
Okay. And Dr. Slyman, where can our listeners get more information about synthetic biologics and your microbiome-focused clinical programs? Well, it's simple enough. If you just visit our website, which is www.syntheticbiologics.com, that's S-Y-N-T-H-E-T-I-C-B-I-O-L-O-G-I-C-S, syntheticbiologics, all one word, dot com. And follow us on Twitter at at SynBiologics, that's at S-Y-N-B-I-O-L-O-G-I-C-S. You can get all the information and stay up to date on our uh, you know, ongoing progress towards uh, more clinical trials and eventual registration there. We also have links to all of our actual uh, clinical publications, our posters, manuscripts, uh, talks, slideshows, etc. That's all on our website as well. Wonderful. Dr. Slyman, you have provided a wealth of information for both patients and fellow healthcare professionals today, and we thank you for joining us and on today's show and C. diff spores and more global broadcasting network, and we look forward to having you join us again soon. Well, Nancy, it's my pleasure as always, and I'll be happy to come back anytime you want. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And we would also like to wish you, your colleagues in Synthetic Biologics Organization, continued success at SYN004 and SYN010 as they provide hope within the C. difficile and IBSC communities worldwide. And we thank you for listening today. Please join us every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and join us with our guests as we discuss up-to-date information focused yet not limited to C. C. difficile infection prevention, treatments, clinical studies, environmental safety, and much more. Once again, we thank our official sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit their website, cloroxhealthcare.com forward slash C. diff radio. We also like to take this opportunity to thank Synthetic Biologics for being a diamond sponsor of the 5th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo taking place on November 9th and 10th in Las Vegas, Nevada. For conference information, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website, cdifffoundation.org, and we send out our get well wishes to all patients being treated and recovering from a C. difficile infection and many wellness-draining illnesses that are being combated across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, with our reminder, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health and a good day. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. together.